Chair Porter and board members, um, tonight we are going to bring you one of the two reports we bring you um, about every six months on the district's racial equity policy. Hello, this friends, report is a part of that policy. Obviously, last board CPS. meeting we provided you with a, a equity plan, a racial equity plan on reopening. And transparency uh, this is from the larger scale. Save our um, now, we don't have some of the data that we usually present to you when it comes to our racial equity policy, for example. Disciplinary Hello and outcomes, welcome to the June 10th, 2021 um, episode yeah, of Save Our have Schools those to with Dear JCPS. Because of being in the I'm your pandemic. host, Gay Adelman. But I think Dr. Today, Marshall and I'm his team have for done you a, uh, a great job of putting together a plan of the JCPS with, Board of Education, um, where they presented with multiple the racial equity plan. Principals. The presentation um, itself lasted other chiefs, approximately an hour and a half, so I'm going to play I'll for you the first 58 minutes or so, and <clears> at <throat> the you. end I will share uh, information with uh, where you can hear again, this is the meeting the in its entirety, in case you want to listen and to the last because of COVID, which we understand there are some of the data that normally Dr. I wanted Dawson, you to hear this proposal so that you can understand where we are as a district when it comes to, to implementing uh, racial equity but I think as we and dismantling structural racism, but also uh, to hear some of the key players and their their comments and concerns, as well as, as we the types through. of questions that your board members right. and the superintendent uh, are discussing. Many times as I Again, have, this is from the March 28, 2021 JCPS board meeting. I guarantee you we're the only district Take that's ever quoted Outcast, the rap group. But uh, this is exactly what happened. We planned a pretty picnic with our policies, and then the weather changed, and we had to close school. And when we closed school, there was a couple of things that we could have done. We could have just paused on racial equity. We could have paused on achievement. We could have paused on a bunch of things, but we didn't. But um, when March hit uh, a year ago uh, to, to this month, there were, we had a decision to make, and we did not back off of that decision. So, yes, you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. Um, so the racial equity policy remained a pillar, and we can go to the next one. I'm sorry. A lot of times as this was going on, community members and maybe even internal people would ask Dr. Polio, you know, so what are we doing? How are we going to do this? And he always said, we're just going to double down and do the work. And as we double down and do the work, this list on the side here, you all, are things that have happened in spite of COVID, things that have happened in spite of having to work remotely. We've had a virtual equity institute, still one the biggest virtual equity institute in this region. We convened, black, uh, we convened teachers to build a Black Experience Teacher Institute that we presented to you all, and they have designed lessons that will drive curriculum for the years to come. We did implicit bias training for the district. We opened up a brand new school targeting girls, uh, uh, African-American girls and leadership. We hired anti-racist special uh, pedagogy curriculum specialists all during the pandemic uh, under the leadership of Dr. McPhail. We've done uh, REAP committee team meetings. All middle and high schools have a BSU, virtual lit and numeracy programs after school um, and on weekends were happening and are happening right now. And then we started the Louisville Teacher Residency in the pandemic, focusing on what uh, the leader of the district said, we double down and do the work. Just a reminder, <clears throat> just a reminder, we had central office commitments. And we, here's some other things that we did. We have an equity monitoring progress tool. Uh, my team, along with some of Carmen's, uh, Dr. Coleman's team, we monitor the progress of the schools. We talk about their school plans and we see if they're actually doing it. We have improved the good faith effort process uh, under leadership of uh, Chris Perkins and Ms. Harden. 
ECE added central office commitments. Um, Chief Chevalier will be speaking to that. We've done the REAP reviews of all the REAPs that we have done in central office, and we're working on an equity screener to actually make sure we're putting under our leadership cohort, we are putting principals in our district that are screened for equity. We are saying in JCPS, which a lot of districts aren't, in the station you're in, if you're not doing racial equity work, it's gonna be very hard for you to move forward if you can't show and have a cache of work that you've done in your current station that you're about racial equity. How should you be moving forward if you haven't done it in your current position? So we're creating a screener for equity. Um, Dr. Adams, Dr. Uh, uh, Webb and others are working on with diversity, equity and poverty to move this work. And then the racial equity growth goal for all cabinet members and central office leaders. Um, something else that I think is cutting edge, ambitious, aggressive, and uh, really tackles uh, anti-racism as a system. All right, so curriculum. When you control a man's thinking, you do not have to worry about his actions, Carter G. Woodson. So we understand in, in uh, JCPS that there's a curriculum issue. Dr. Polio talks a lot about, and the board talks a lot about, about student engagement. Um, Dr. Coleman is uh, very serious about that. And we think, and we know that there are some curriculum issues that we have that will mitigate behavior, that will improve belonging, that will improve outcomes for students. I'm gonna go through this and then toss it off to uh, Dr. Coleman, but curriculum and pedagogy. While in the pandemic, again, under leadership of Dr. New and Dr. Coleman, we have a black historical consciousness framework that um, Dr. New is working on with uh, our teachers to make sure that the consciousness of, of, black, histo of black history is done throughout all um, um, subjects. And then the high school, and high school has African-American electives, and then a simple document, um, which is really a cadre, a, a cache of lessons that teachers can use that have been filtered to affirm race and racial equity that our teachers are will uh, get in August, that's being designed. And then the infamous affirming racial equity tool is a tool that we use to make sure our curriculum is affirming racial equity. And then the equity conclaves, I'll just be honest, this is one I'm very excited about. Um, I'll like, uh, uh, let me be quiet. Dr. Coleman, you want to speak to the equity conclave and how we're kind of getting granular with the institutes? I think you should speak to that one, Dr. Marshall. You are excited okay. about it. I am too. Okay, so the equity conclaves are, we are now getting very granular with our work in role groups. We've had big equity institutes, which we're still doing, but our role groups are now having their individualized equity institutes. So Dr. Coleman's team and the role groups that she leads will meet with my team and have equity institutes with national leaders and experts in the field to actually talk about how as an AIC, your role in driving racial equity is important and here's what needs to happen. And in teaching and learning, we're doing the same thing. We're doing it with counselors, friskies, APs, principals. So we're moving that work forward. Um, uh, the tote, uh, this is a, a new idea um, and it's a team of teachers for equity. So we are disrupting literature or we're disrupting history. We're not teaching this whitewashed soft Martin Luther King. We're challenging the way in which we're teaching King to make to make sure people understand that he was just as radical as anyone else. And we're not talking about this King that was to try to make everyone feel good. We're challenging the history of the Kentucky Derby. We're challenging the way in which we're teaching it because we understand and uh, we've had conversations with some board members. We understand that the hegemonic way in which we are teaching is a problem and it is causing the widening of a gap. So we have identified teachers, no one sitting up in central office, teachers in the battlefield that are doing this work. And now under the leadership of Dr. Polio, 
we are giving them extra service to actually build out what they're doing in classrooms to share with community. Social justice and art, uh, Ms. Porter has sat in on a lot of those. Some of you other board members have as well. We are now tackling the arts because you all said that that is important. So we are now using teachers and schools to use their art programs to address um, social injustices that we have witnessed here in Louisville and abroad, all while in a pandemic. Carmen, I think I hogged that entire slide. Is there anything you wanna add? I'm sorry. No, I think it's great. We are really, really excited about this work and something else that's come from the pandemic, which is seems such a contrast is that despite not being together in person, we have really come together in our work. Um, Dr. Marshall and I work, I mean, we every day are working on something together. And it is, we, you know, we just know that the work of racial equity is not just the work of one department. This is all of us. And, um, you know, the, the tools and resources that, that he and his team have provided um, have been wonderful. And I'll share one quick um, anecdote to, to show just how this is really starting to um, move out into the district. The affirming racial equity tool um, has, has led to teachers um, questioning some of our resources that have been attached to the curriculum frameworks and and we you know it's causing them to look at resources in a, in a different way and so they've brought those things to our attention we've you know addressed those in whatever way was needed and we've even brought things to the attention of vendors um, with programs that that we use that we when we notice things that are not um, you know, the way that we know now they should be. And so I think when you really start to see teachers um, noticing new things and looking at things differently, I think that is a, a great sign um, for the work that's been done, so. And if I could add in one thing to this slide on number two, high school African-American elective, I'm probably giving this away. We are working right now with the University of Louisville and the Pan-African Studies Department uh, to create a dual credit high school African-American elective that would have uh, at least three, possibly six hours of college credit for kids that uh, take this class um, at the University of Louisville and would be offered to every single high school uh, in JCPS. So um, great opportunity where the curriculum's not designed by us, but actually designed by the University of Louisville. All right, so I will hand this over to one of our members of the uh, Advisory Council for Racial Equity, um, also known as ACRE, uh, Ben Johnson, and he will kind of talk about uh, the contributions of this council and this committee and the, and the meetings that he has had and the meetings that this group has had with Dr. Polio and others. Uh, Mr. Johnson. Thank you, Dr. Marshall. Um, yeah, so I've been a, a member of the Advisory Council for Racial Equity uh, for the last couple of years, and what we have contributed is, is a broad-based group made up of many members of the community, as well as some uh, members of JCPS, and we just bring a different perspective to the, to the work. We are trying to make sure that various perspectives are taken into consideration, including the fact that I'm a public school graduate myself, but out of Philadelphia, so I've been a part of a much larger district and know that they can be successful in educating 
um, a wide variety of young people. So what we're trying to do is make sure that that stays in front of JCPS. I've also have, I have a son who graduated from manual. So I'm aware of what goes on with JCPS from that side as a parent as well. I'm also working uh, for the city as assistant director for recreation, uh, partner with JCPS quite frequently on providing programs and opportunities for young people. So what we do in terms of this council is again, make sure that JCPS is held accountable, uh, work very closely with Dr. Marshall, uh, the superintendent, Dr. Polio has come to a couple of meetings and we're looking to sort of press that, make sure that we stay in contact, make sure that this is not something that's put on the back burner, that we look at this from the very beginning, how does equity, how will equity be affected by these decisions that are made? What might seem small to some can be huge to others. We wanna make sure that that stays, that that stays at the forefront. And in fact, are looking forward to, again, making sure that there are some push and pull. And I'm also happy to say that we don't always agree on everything. If you have one body that's a monolith, that really doesn't do anybody any good. So even amongst the council, we have some, some spirited back and forth on occasion, but always keep the, um, the importance of the young people first. And as far as what are some of our concerns and points of interest for from the council, um, one of the things we've been speaking about quite frequently and consistently is wanting to figure out how we can engage with the board more. We want to hear from you all, but we also want to share directly with you some of our, some of our concerns, some of our ideas, uh, some of the things that we would like to see happen and also learn, you know, learn your, your perspective. So we are, again, wanted to make sure we do that properly, working with the superintendent, working with Dr. Marshall, and even engage the legal counsel to make sure that we do it properly as required by the state, as required by um, all of the governing bodies. So for me personally, something that we spoke about quite a bit was wanting to engage directly um, with the board. And that's what we, you know, that's what we were talking about. Um, something else that's very important to us are the REAPs to make sure that not only are they used appropriately, but they are used in a meaningful way. And that again, we don't assume what kind of issues should run through the week. We don't say, well, we have to run X number and let's make sure we hit that number. That substantive programmatic changes, substantive ideas, whether it's curriculum, whether it's discipline, whether it's extracurricular activities, that the things that are truly going to affect the young people are the things that are run through that, which ultimately means everything. So uh, I guess with that, I will um, stop speaking. Thank you, Barry White. I mean, Ben. <laughs> All right. So Advisory Council for Racial Equity, also one of the attachments, and I think that was on our, um, I think that was one of the things we sent to you all as an attachment. They have a list of recommendations that Dr. Polio sat down. I don't think we started that meeting till seven and we stayed till about 9.30. And uh, he listened to every recommendation, uh, reminded me that some of those recommendations need to go into the reopening plan, all of that. So that has been very um, proactive work. And I do believe the board, uh, uh, Chief Dennis has, or my secretary has put that up there. Next slide. All right, tech equity. Before I hand it over to uh, Dr. Belcher, uh, we all know who this is, Lyman Johnson. And one of the things he and Miss Porter knows, I used to uh, like Miss Porter knows that I knew or know knew Lyman Johnson. One of the things he always said was, "Are you being taught or are you being told? Are you are you listening or are you learning?" So when Kermit's going to talk about what tech equity means as relates to student agency and the the uh, transcending and the direction we're trying to go as relates to tech equity and racial equity. 
Thank you, Dr. Marshall. So in regards to digital equity, there are three gaps that make up the digital divide. So those three gaps are basic technology needs for students, classroom use, and student agency. As far as the basic needs, access to student instructional devices, software, internet access, and infrastructure. In regards to the access to student instructional devices, JCPS has significantly increased our access with mobile devices for all students. Next year will actually be close to one-to-one -one for every single school, every single child. Software, teaching and learning is collaborating with schools to evaluate and provide digital content. Internet access, we've deployed hotspots this year to students that needed internet access. Uh, we're continuing to expand our, wire, our wireless, our Wi-Fi enabled devices at our middle schools for next year. Also our infrastructure, we continue to upgrade our network infrastructure. Uh, we've been proactive upgrading our wireless access to handle the additional mobile devices. And so once these basic technology needs are met, this provides enhanced instructional opportunities. So the classroom use, it gives opportunities for blended learning opportunities for students. And then finally, student agency, which gives students voice and choice in their learning, personalized and authentic learning experiences, such as the backpack of success skills. By continuing to address these three components in our future state, this will help ensure equity for all students by closing the digital divide. Thank you. Before I hand it over to uh, Chief Chevalier, the racial equity policy is older than the uh, division that Chief Chevalier is leading. When she uh, took on this job, it didn't take her 48 hours to reach out to myself and others to make sure uh, that she, and she was the one that initiated, to make sure that she was a part of the central office commitment to racial equity. So uh, I, want you all to, I want us to remember that the policy is older than the division, yet and still in the pandemic and with other things, uh, Chief Chevalier has set goals that she is about to share and some other things that her division is doing. Dr. Marshall, you took the words out of my mouth. I was gonna say, thanks to you, I was uh, supported in our department and we are committed um, both for the district-wide for support for racial equity and also for our students with disabilities. Um, our corrective action plan, our ECE corrective action plan continues to show that we are disproportionate in several areas of special education. So we are gonna focus on that. Our racial equity goals reflect the CAP indicator data, and that's what you will see, the three bullets up there. Indicator four, our suspension rates with students with disabilities. We need to reduce disproportionality and discipline practices for students with disabilities by providing our PD and that cult cultural responsive training and ECE referral process. We are looking, we have put our referral process through the REAP and looking um, at that process and how we are referring kids to special education, especially into that EBD category. We're looking at indicator five, our least restrictive environment. And what that is, is increasing equitable access to the regular education curriculum getting kids into the classrooms with core content teacher. Uh, we're coaching our teachers and our implementation coach on how to uh, read data analysis and decision-making processes when they are looking at an IEP to get kids in the regular education setting. 
And indicator 10 is our uh, disproportionate representation of African-American students in EBD. We're going on many years of that. We uh, provide PD in appropriate interventions. We're getting down to the nitty gritty of that. And that is designed to reduce uh, disproportionality in identifying those students in that EBD category. So those are three big things that we're working on currently. Okay, in culture and climate, uh, just some things to share as we move this work forward. You heard Mr. Johnson talk about the REAPs. Uh, there is over 400 REAPs that have been done. Uh, my team is actually doing a review of those REAPs and doing follow-up um, with um, the REAPs and seeing, okay, we filtered this. Okay, Dr. Marshall, you filtered this and said it needs to stop or it needs to pivot. Have you? If not, why did you do a REAP? And then SBDM training, I think it was you, Dr. Cope, that asked at the last meeting, is there a touch point for parents? Uh, and one of the things uh, Dr. Shauna Stenton does in, in my division is work with SBDMs. We actually had an institute where our parents came uh, that for almost, but I'd say about 80% of all the SBDMs, and we took them through the anchor document of the REAP. We talked to them about the racial equity policy, the importance of hiring, and what we're trying to do is we march towards uh, justice and racial equity, and we're doing that in our SBDM trainings. And then an anti-racist training cohort, the specialists in my division are leading, are leading teachers, APs, some principals, through what it means to be, an, <clears throat> through what it means to be an anti-racist teacher, an anti-racist leader, and how do we, and how we do that work. And a partnership with Spalding. Uh, we have some people that have retired and just can't let it go, uh, and now they're working at Spalding, and they are uh, piloting this equity screener. So everybody that's raising their hand saying they want to be the next um, superintendent of JCPS, they want to be the next principal. Well, this cachet of things, whatever station you're in, you need to be able to say that I'm doing this here, I'm doing this here. So come on, guys, give me a shot. I am being racial equity in this station. Therefore, I'm eligible to, I should be considered to move forward. And what does that do to those that aren't about racial equity? They don't get to lead any further than they are. And that's the kind of work and the kind of a tenacity that we're trying to, we are doing with this district and the racial equity policy. All right, so I'm about to hand this over to Dr. Dawson, and yeah, this is the data part of the um, the stuff that she could gather. And remember that COVID kind of made some of our data stale or not move the way we all want it to. So, Dr. Dawson. Sure. Thank you, Dr. Marshall. So, I'll just touch briefly on a few of the key metrics that we were able to track during the school year. Um, as Dr. Marshall mentioned, there's a couple of different data points that we normally track through the racial equity plan that we weren't able to track in terms of test scores um, and behavior data is um, a much smaller sample. So we did also present some information back in the September report around course enrollments and things like that. So when we look at participation during the fall semester for NTI, um, overall we see about a 90% participation rate, but you do see some differences across student groups. So our Asian students have the highest participation rate at 95.8, and our African Americans have the lowest um, participation at 87.4. Um, there are some areas to celebrate in terms of our gifted and talented numbers. So what this chart shows you is out of all of the the total number of gifted and talented students, how, what percentage is made up by each of the student groups. So out of all of our gifted and talented students, 
8.4% are African-American. That's a 1% increase from um, the prior year. And we also saw an increase in our Hispanic um, and our two and more races. So when we look at that by category, um, so we're, we're tracking specifically here the number of African-American students by the categories of gifted and talented. And specifically here, we're looking at um, creative thinking, leadership skills, and visual and performing arts, the categories around general intellectual ability and the specific academic areas um, weren't updated um, because testing didn't happen in the fall. Um, but overall, what we see um, are for the 2021 school year, 917 students identified across these categories compared to 637 the prior year. So that's about a 44% increase. So we are seeing gains in this area in particular. So what happens when you disrupt the way we normally identify students, particularly understanding that a system is designed to um, maybe marginalize students? You see some of those gains that we're working on in gifted and talented out of um, Dr. Coleman's shop with Dr. Dawson's help. Um, discontinuous improvement, some of the things that we understand must happen is if we're going to really be about racial equity, a lot of the things that were in 2021 need to stay, in 2020 need to stay there, and we don't need to come into 2021, and what are we going to do to be different? So the following slides are kind of about some of the things we're doing uh, in future state work and with some uh, community engagement. The first one is programmatic access, justice now and learning hubs. Um, as COVID ravaged, uh, ravaged the country, the world, everything, there were some things that we knew we needed to do to keep our students engaged and to address racial equity. So the justice now um, cohort led by these phenomenal, both teachers of the year at different years, Matt Kaufman and Nairi Clayton Taylor have created justice now, uh, housed in my department, but works closely with everyone where students get to, um, talk about racial injustice, environmental equity, e economic equity, and really put voice to what they're already learning and connect it to justice and challenge racist systems. And that is something, <clears throat> excuse me, that is something that we're gonna continue to build out. Schools meet individually, inter-school, intergenerational, and collaborations to actually have these conversations. There's a partnership with uh, Kentucky Derby Foundation, uh, and we're gonna have a justice fest. All the students, and uh, don't quote me, it's more than 10 schools that are doing this work. All the students are going to come together and share what they feel like is inequitable or unjust and give solutions on how to address it. This is also in partnership with our learning hubs. Um, a, another thing, a leadership you guys and Dr. Polio have said is that we need to continue to have learning hubs because we need to make sure students have access regardless of where they live to to tutoring, to food, to technology. So our learning hubs and our community support have been a great addition to this work. And uh, Dr. Polio has been very clear that will continue as well. So these are some things when we're talking about programmatic access in relation to just gifted and talented. Ms. Porter, you've been beating that gavel, that uh, desk for a while. These are other things that we're saying are important as we move the work forward. Okay, I am going to share this one uh, with you, Robert Moore. I'll let you go first because I'll get carried away. I appreciate that. I was fully expecting you to. I had to, I had to write down some extra notes just in case. 
uh, on, on my sheet. But I, I appreciate you uh, giving me this opportunity uh, to share out. And thank you to our uh, my, my fellow chiefs for delivering the information on our current state. Um, but what I want to discuss with you is our future state and our future work uh, towards racial, racial equity. Uh, and I appreciate that reference to outcast and hopefully we can get back to uh, better weather when we when we do. This is the kind of work you're going to see from us. Uh, first of all, number one, level set questions. Uh, we, we not only level set during our uh, our real meetings uh, on uh, every other Friday uh, with, with some some videos and some some quotes from uh, Dr. Marshall, but we also level set when it comes to our future state teams. So even though Rachel Equity was not a uh, future state team, it is embedded in every every level uh, and every stage of the future state work. So there are questions specifically assigned for each level and each stage in our uh, future state work. And uh, every team knows what uh, the, the uh, questions are. And then student assignment. Uh, we're going to return to that work, uh, and uh, you're going to see some recommendations from us very soon. I've uh, been uh, kept up to speed and get updated weekly uh, from our, uh, our, our student assignment team. And also, revisit and revise our school plans. And I think we can all admit we have learned a lot this past 12 months uh, about ourselves, about our community, and about society. And so we need to really look at our, uh, our racial equity plans, revisit them, revise them in, in uh, school by school. And uh, I, I think it, it would be disrespectful to our profession as educators if we don't go back and learn from, uh, from the, the past year. And, and we expect that of our kids. We, we demand that of our kids, that they look at the plans that they're making, they look at the work they look, they're making, and revise that. So if we expect and demand that of our students, I think we should expect and demand that of ourselves. Uh, and then uh, number four, uh, board training, uh, and um, Dr. Marshall will have a, 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 an outline plan for that. You are listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. Today's episode features about 58 minutes uh, taken from the March 28, 2021 JCPS board meeting where a presentation was made regarding the update on racial equity. The program continues now. Number five, the uh, district plans to address COVID-19 and our reopening with a faster pace and more uh, direct goals. Uh, we have a progress monitoring uh, spreadsheet that we're keeping track. We're going to update it frequently. Uh, we've already made progress uh, with, with our district plans to address COVID-19. Uh, and I, I thank you guys for, for pushing us as a board. Uh, we, we needed that push, and uh, we're working uh, towards uh, progress there. And uh, disruptive innovation. Um, I know Dr. Marshall mentioned the, the anchor documents. And, and they're designed to be disruptive, but it's one thing to be uh, d designed and it's one thing to be implemented. It, it's, we're, we're at the stage where we, we need to see impact and that's what we're working on, making sure that those anchor do documents are impactful. Um, and then required equity goals um, for uh, administrators. All administrators have to have a required equity goal in their professional growth plan. So those are uh, disruptive uh, uh, things that we're working towards the, uh, the future. And then our state um, uh, 
have adopted the PISL standards. And there's a specific standard, standard number three, that uh, every principal is evaluated on racial equity now. Uh, and so uh, that, that is a disruptive innovation uh, that uh, was born in our state, and we were well ahead of, of, of that. Uh, so I'm proud to say we were well ahead of that, and our, our, our leaders uh, shouldn't have any problem with meeting that uh, evaluate, evaluative uh, standard. And then lastly, coalition, coalition of Retired Black Principals. Uh, Dr. Marshall talked about some of the principals that uh, are working with aspiring leaders, uh, and, and one of them is my mentor, Kurt Lattimore. If we can have a, a coalition of, um, a, a, of black principals uh, helping out some of our up-and-coming uh, leaders, I think it would be very, very uh, impactful. Um, so, Dr. Marshall, you want to add to that slide? Sure. The Coalition of Retired Black Principals is already a group that has coalesced, if you will, uh, has met with um, Board Chair Porter and some others, met with Dr. Polio, and want to mentor some of our uh, new-in-the-game uh, principals, but also want to really support and fortify the racial equity work. Um, they have been nothing but uh, complimentary, but of course concerned on staying the course. Um, they feel as if this is a pickup from where they left off, and I always say I stand on the shoulders of them, as we all do. So for to sit in front of 20 black principals that have done it, uh, tried and true, and then to, then to tell the board chair that they want to do another tour of duty gratis, uh, but to just help us move forward and really learn the racial equity policy is something that we have in place. And again, uh, Dr. Polio has met with them a couple of times, and we have heard what they want to do, and we're responding accordingly. The uh, next slide, as we talk about looking at equity and staffing, I have an executive administrator from the AIS ranks. Uh, I believe I have one of the best leaders in the district that is now my executive administrator, and he is going to talk about his role, uh, some of the things that he is addressing with racial equity, and then another new position that is definitely needed and timely due to some of the things that have happened in the country as of recent. Thank you, Dr. Marshall, and uh, thank you, uh, Chair of Porter, board members, and uh, Dr. Polio. <clears throat> My name is BJ Button, and as Dr. Marshall mentioned, I am uh, the Executive Administrator for Diversity, Equity, and Poverty. Uh, just uh, thank you uh, for allowing me a, a few minutes just to talk about my role and my responsibility, as well as that of the Equity Resource Manager that is also a new position within DEP. Uh, so my primary role is to support racial equity via systemic change, leadership, advocacy, and training, as well as to support Dr. Marshall by serving as a thought partner and also evaluate, and pro, uh, evaluate our programming and initiatives within our Department of Diversity, Equity, and Poverty, but also uh, help facilitate interdepartmental uh, collaboration and communication. Um, in addition to that, my primary functions will be monitor the racial equity work within central office and also within our schools and to also support the analysis of our school's racial equity plans, provide feedback to our schools for those plans. In addition to developing and deploying professional uh, learning and support to our schools, but also our central office departments as well. In addition uh, to progress monitor and also provide continuous support to our central office personnel and also our schools. So uh, Mr. Moore mentioned uh, a progress monitoring spreadsheet that has been developed and that we're working through uh, currently. Uh, I was a part of developing that uh, progress monitoring tool and that will be in place to help uh, monitor the progress for our uh, reopening plan, our equity reopening plan, but also uh, progress monitor uh, the racial equity plans of our central office departments as well. 
You can move to the next slide. Our equity resource manager uh, position is designed in part to awareness, uh, the need for culture and uh, climate uh, changes within our district, but also uh, bring awareness to that, uh, the district about diversity and inclusion. Um, a part of what Jasmine Drinker would do, who is our equity resource manager, will be to celebrate, advocate, and activate role groups, as well as student groups, and being part of our JCPS collective and uh, our JCPS family. Uh, so Jasmine has been charged with uh, 15 directors, excuse me, and uh, expectations that are centered on this particular work. And one of the main uh, directives that she has is to create employee resource groups, which she is currently working on uh, at this time. And, and in addition to that, developing some anchor documents similar to the EMPT, which we uh, discussed earlier, and also the R tool, which are two staples for our diversity, equity, and poverty, and that are currently in schools and that we're using as a part of our racial equity work. She will also be creating some anchor documents uh, that uh, apply to her role as, uh, as well. Uh, she also will be working with our uh, retired Black administrators and, uh, and basically heading up that group uh, in helping to get out uh, the support that we need to our up and coming principals, as uh, Mr. Moore mentioned. Uh, so again, thank you for the opportunity just to be able to share out my role, my responsibility as well as that, as that of our equity resource managers. So at this time, I'll turn it over to uh, Principal Stroud and uh, Paul. Thank you, Mr. Bunn, I appreciate it. Uh, Chair Porter and board members, thank you for the opportunity to speak this evening. Uh, during the summer, Dr. Meyer, our assistant superintendent, established three racial equity committees specifically for the AIS schools. I'm the chair of the principal's policy, uh, racial equity policy committee. And I wanna highlight our members, uh, Ms. Carmichael Murphy, Dr. Carmichael, Ms. Carmichael Miller, Dr. Carmichael Murphy, Mr. Fear, Dr. Hogue, Dr. Kiggins, Dr. Colodi, Dr. Majors, Ms. Marshall, uh, Dr. Tall, and with me tonight, Ms. Stroud. Our role is to propose policy considerations. So we have spent the last several months working together to come up with some considerations from our seat as principals. I wanna thank Dr. Polio and Dr. Marshall for the opportunity to spread this work within the district. To date, our team has presented to the cabinet, the assistant superintendents, and at multiple levels. Tonight, we have the opportunity to bring these recommendations to the board. This is clear evidence of the progressive nature of our district, and I'm proud to work in that. As principals of the Accelerated Improvement Schools in JCPS, we are honored to lead the charge of educating diverse groups of scholars in our elementary, middle, and high schools. We pride ourselves in serving our students, families, and staff in the community as we are entrusted with preparing our students for their most promising future. We're proud of the work our district has done to improve racial equity across all schools as outlined in the racial equity policy. This work is fundamentally important to our success as a district and for ensuring that all students and staff reach their full potential. We believe that as AIS principals, we have a unique perspective on how the policies of the district regarding racial equity directly impact our students. Therefore, in accordance with the JCPS racial equity policy, we have the following policy recommendations for consideration. All right, and I'm Faith Stroud, Executive Principal of Robert Falls Sixth Grade Academy and Stewart Academy, and our recommendations are such. We ask that the district regularly publicize their racial equity goal and ensure regular follow-up with schools and departments around that goal. 
Specifically, we ask that all certificated employees are required to have a racial equity goal as part of their growth plan. We ask that all collective bargaining contracts moving forward go through the REAP process before being adopted as policy. We ask that there is a mechanism for anonymously documenting racial occurrences within the district for all stakeholder groups and that that data be used to drive our improvement efforts within the racial equity pillar. We ask that all district committees have a common dashboard where employees and the public can see what is discussed, decisions made, and that all committees that involve students have AIS and people of color representation. We ask that there is a process developed to support JCPS employees of color to get praxis, tuition, and transcript support and to aid them in becoming certified teachers to help with our teacher shortage. We ask that there be an intentional development of and hiring of people of color within school-based and central office leadership positions that mirrors our student population demographic. We ask that AIS schools be prioritized for innovative programs and that we are supported at a higher financial level for innovative programs such as Cambridge, International Baccalaureate, Project Lead Away, Montessori, and et cetera, especially knowing that a majority of the AIS schools have high color populations, students of color populations. We ask that whenever principals meet, there should be time set aside for the professional conversation of practices regarding racial equity. These conversations should be centered in the principal experience. As school leaders, we stand pride, primed to lead and encourage equity for all of our students in every school in JCPS. And we're willing to collaborate with our stakeholders by ensuring we're racial equity focused for all staff. We ensure equitable access to an education experience that works for our students. Guaranteeing equity is indeed essential to our calling as school leaders. We thank you for the opportunity and welcome any questions at the conclusion of the presentation. Thank you. Thank you all leaders. I will hand this over to Chief Adams, I believe. Thank you, Dr. Marshall. I'm just gonna give you all some information about where we stand on the hiring and some of the different things that have taken place this year. We currently have 1,122 teachers of color working for the district. That's a 16.1%, and while the percentage has not grown that much, we have increased the number of teaching positions uh, as well, so we're seeing our numbers go up in the teachers of color uh, related to that. We reached an all-time high this year of our black male teachers. We had, uh, had 218 as of January. Unfortunately, we have two that have stepped down from their position, so we're at 216 right now, but that is an all-time high for the district based on the information that we have. We've also, since 2018, increased the percentage of those uh, people of color in the chief's positions from 18% to 25%, assistant superintendents from 22% to 37.5%, our executive administrators from 25% to 50%, uh, now people of color. And then uh, something also that I'm very proud of the work that uh, the schools have done and also the HR office and Dr. Marco Munoz as well, some of the individual work he's done there, but for a 50% reduction in our attrition rate of our black teachers. Uh, so we wanna continue to see that attrition rate go down and um, he's doing tremendous work with that, working with our principals on that as well. I'll hand it back to you, Dr. Marshall. Okay, so uh, we have talked about um, our general counsel being a superhero, our general counsel, and in this district, even our general counsel is involved in racial equity. He was an integral part in us 
trying to get some leg legislation passed for superintendents to have a more recognizable presence for aspiring superintendents of color and to sit on committees. So the reason we're sharing this, as we talk about racial equity, it is not just housed in diversity, equity, and poverty. Our general counsel is addressing racial equity, and we all know most general counsels would shy away from something like this as to protect us, but our general counsel looks like uh, it's looking at this as something to protect children and move the work forward. Another thing, um, the Racial Equity Summit for Superintendents, the Chief Equity Officer for the State of Kentucky, KDE, um, Tucker Woods, wants JCPS, my division, to actually do a summit on our work with superintendents. Um, uh, the caveat was they wanted the funds, um, Dr. Polio to be the keynote, to speak about what it's like to lead racial equity, um, particularly as a white person in a district that is predominantly of color, and he agreed. But this actually speaks to the work and the recognition that's even coming from KDE around the work that we are doing, and that is to happen, um, I believe, this summer. And one of the things, board, now that you know, you all will know, um, they actually want to hear from you all as panels what it like to be to govern racial equity and how bad does it hurt uh, when you do this work. Um, your utilization of the REAP, we kind of already talked about that. And then another thing, Western, um, Eastern, Eastern Kentucky, Western's better, but Eastern Kentucky University is to build out, is helping us build out our equity screener and is putting Dewan Williams, um, a specialist in my department, in front of the deans of a lot of our colleges of education to help build that out along with um, Kirk Lattimore and Glenn Beatty to help build that out as a um, teacher prep program in the screener. So when they come in front of um, Amy Green and they come in front of Jimmy Adams and say, I want to teach, they will have a cache of work from what they've done as a pre-teachers, pre pre-educators to show that they are doing this. This is the kind of impact that we are trying to have as we move the work forward. All right, and to be clear, at best, we get two claps, not a standing ovation, not a bunch of cheers, because there's a lot of work that still must be done. We understand that the gap is widened, and we understand that we must be tenacious and unapologetic about that work. Because of COVID and just because of the way the American system is set up with racism, the wealth gap has widened. And the sense of belonging is still the lowest in uh, Black girls. You've heard Chief Chevalier talk about it. Dr. Dawson can talk about it. Disproportionality is actually a thing, and it still does exist and we must address that. And we are addressing the curriculum in, uh, inadequacies and the curriculum violence that is happening. However, all of that must be accelerated. And again, to go back to the first slide, we must double down. We need to get past diversifying schools and integrated schools. Coming from 36 where I come from, if I rode the same bus with my homeboys, got off, got a, late lunch with them, sat in the same classes with them, I was in a diversified school, but not an integrated school. So we need to talk about what it's like to be in integrated schools where everyone's learning, where everyone has access to gifted and talented and move that work forward. So we need to actually keep diversity, but get into integration as well. And zero to little people of color in some of our school staff's divisions. We have had great success as Chief Adam has said, but there are some schools that have limited or no um, uh, people of color in leadership or teaching our students. So these are the things that we are still seeing sit in our wheelhouse and our responsibility board included to address, the first one being the main one, but these are the things that we also say, if you look at back over the uh, presentation, we are definitely headed in the right direction. We are, we are leading the nation in this work, and we are not shying away from the things that are still abhorrent and need to be addressed. 
So you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. We, uh, and that's where we are. Here are, we are open for, no, I'm sorry, Dr. Polio, is there anything I missed or you wish to add or are we opening for questions? Forgive me. No, I want to thank you for the great presentation and um, all of the people that you brought, especially uh, principals and community member, uh, Ben Johnson. So thank you very much for taking your time to be with us today to talk about your hard work. So at this point, uh, Chair Porter will take any questions or feedback that you have. Thank you, Dr. Marshall and your team and Dr. Polio. The information is much needed in order for us to grow as a district. So thank you for your presentation. I'll start for questions or comments with Dr. Shul, please. Thank you, Chair Porter. And thank you, Dr. Marshall and your team for such an energizing presentation. I have several questions. Um, first, this is a little bit off the path, but it crossed my mind, so I want to ask it. Have we secured enough MWVOB contracts um, to meet the quota that we were trying to achieve for the new buildings? Uh, the goal was 15%, Dr. Scholl. We are at 14.17. Okay. We are almost there. Um, we have some bids coming up. Um, and I know Chief Harden and uh, Chief Perkins and I are actually going to meet soon. We have almost made our MWBE goal, which we have not done in decades. We're Thank not there. Um, Shawnee was a big help and support from the superintendent and you all to get us to that percent. But no, we have not made 15%. We're like at 14 point something or another. Almost there. Thank you. How are we embedding anti-racism and critical race theory into curriculum? Uh, Carmen, I will start and then uh, if, you, if you wish to jump in. Um, so we have um, anti-racist specialists now that are building on top of the culturally responsive teaching and they're working with schools as specialists to make sure that their curriculum affirms racial equity. But we're also, again, disrupting curriculum to make sure that as we are teaching, it is not this feel good, everybody's great. Um, it wasn't that bad to colonize America type teaching to really get into the problematic issues that have uh, not been taught in our schoolhouse to do that. And then when we start talking about that, we decenter. Um, generally, we decenter what we normally are talking about and center our marginalized students and talk about the contributions of them and their culture and how they fit in and what they have given. And that's it. In a nutshell, I'll be quiet after this. Anti-racism actually interrogates not how bad slaves were treating, but who inherently was doing this mistreatment. Who inherently is doing all of these bad things and starts challenging other the oppressor as opposed to the oppressed. That's what anti-racist uh, curriculum is doing. And that's what I think JCPS is doing better than anyone else with a lot more to go. Dr. Coleman. Yeah, I, you know, our, our focus continues to be to make the curriculum whole. Dr. Marshall has said that since my first day here and, and that has been our, that's our driving task. And um, so, I'll just echo the things that he said and also, you know, we're the the cross training that we're doing with with our support people for our schools mm -hmm. um, is really um, a game changer. One of the things he and I both say is we nobody in the schools cares who you work for, what department you're in. They need help and we all have to be able to to support them and um, 
you know, things like the R tool, mm -hmm. again, that has become just part of the fabric of our work. We've also gone through every text attached to our curriculum framework. Um, to, and that's ongoing, but we have done an initial review with a tool that actually his team um, shared with us to use. And um, I mean, we are, you know, we are working on this from every angle that we can. Thank you. As you talk, as we talk about curriculum, in what ways can SBDMs block racial equity work and the inclusion of racial equity um, nuances to the curriculum in individual schools? In what ways can they block it? Yes. Well, Dr. Marshall, you may want to jump in on this too. I mean, I guess they can, they can block it by um, the programs that they choose. They, I mean, they do have, you know, control. Yeah, no, and so I, I'm, I'm concerned yeah. that SBDMs can be a barrier to the yeah. full implementation of racial equity they goals could. in well, schools. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this, I 100% agree with you on that. It has been a frustration of mine in many of our, um, the programs or things we're focusing on um, is whether that's hiring um, or curriculum are the two areas where I think it, it impacts it the most, the hiring and the curriculum. However, I think um, our schools are working uh, extremely hard. Uh, to bring their SBDMs along with them, and I think that was the training that we wanted to provide. But there is no doubt uh, the legal authority of SBDM makes the work more challenging. John, do you want to add anything to that? Well, before he does, i got four seconds left. Oh, so let me ask ahead. one question, and then I'll yield my time. I have a bunch of other questions, and I'll forward them. I had sent an email um, asking who is accountable for each step in the equity action plan. I received a response from DEP but I did not receive a detailed response um, um, detailing the other chiefs uh, who will be responsible. Could I please be responded to sometime later this week? Yes, yes, my apologies. Um, I think we have put the, the actual plan, John, tell me if I'm wrong, Dr. Marshall, a Google sheet that has every step along the way and every chief that is responsible <coughs> for that or person that is responsible for that and progress notes. Uh, so that's on our Q&A document, but I will send it uh, to make sure you get that. Thank you. I apologize. Is that correct, Dr. Marshall? That is uh, correct. Uh, the chiefs have put their name beside the things they are accountable for, and there is a working document that manages or that uh, monitors the progress, and uh, Mr. Bunton is working with teams to make sure we make our goals as uh, promised to community and you all voted on. Thank you very much. Uh, next, Board Member McIntosh. Thank you. I don't have too much. Um, I love hearing all the conversation around curriculum, um, lesson planning, and, and the delivery of instruction is, I think, it, you're, you're talking my love language. And so I appreciate all the conversation about that, and it really makes me want to roll up my sleeves and share resources and be part of those conversations because it's exciting and it's frankly it's fun and it's engaging and I think our students are going to benefit from it and they're going to think so too. Um, I won't make you get up 
um, you can just nod. Um, you mentioned the frameworks, the curriculum frameworks. So are those just being constantly updated and the resources are being added in? They're not housed in a separate place. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. All right. Thanks. Because you, you touched on that. Um, going back to the UofL program with the dual credit course, I think that sounds phenomenal and I'm really excited about that. I just want to make sure when we say it's going to be offered at all of our high schools that that includes our special and our alternative schools as well. Um, yes, we will be offering it to all of our high school students. Yes, thank you. Um, I like to advocate for those kiddos. Um, and then finally, I think just um, the other comment that I have, I've, I've heard a lot of conversation in the community about it and I think Folks that don't work with kids on a regular basis don't understand how important representation is, um, whether it's for females to see other females in STEAM um, careers or things that were off limits to females for the last many, many generations. And it's just as important for our students of color to see um, teachers, administrators, folks working in their school that look like them and have shared experiences. Um, but I think it's equally important for our white students to see people of color in roles of authority um, and in leadership roles as well, because that is the world that we live in. And I think that that's so, so important for preparing our students um, for the 20th century. And I say that intentionally um, because we should have already been there. But I just want to commend the work that's being done. And um, thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, Board Member Marshall. Uh, thank you, Chair Porter, and thank you to Dr. Marshall, DEP, uh, the rest of our chiefs for this work. Uh, I think we all know how important this work truly is to advance in our district forward. Uh, can we talk first a little bit about how our AIS schools are identified? Sure. You want me to? Yeah, just to lay it out for you know, those to understand exactly. Yeah, Dr. Dossett, could you come up and give the specifics on that? Um, and so the, bet, the, the positive is prior to last year's changes, um, they were coming in and out every year, which, which gave us no opportunity to truly support schools, to take a subset of schools and give them the support they need. Now we have a group of schools that are with us uh, for three consecutive years that we can provide that support to. Could you please give an overview of how they get identified, please? Sure. You've been listening to Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS on Forward Radio 106.5 FM. You can catch this episode and all of our episodes on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com under the Forward Radio channel on the Save Our Schools with Dear JCPS playlist. This week's program was taken from the March 28, 2021 JCPS Board of Education meeting where a racial equity update was provided. You can listen to this meeting in its entirety on the JCPS YouTube channel. Links to this and more can be found on our website at dearjcps.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>